Hi everyone, Michelle here. Um, I'm currently sitting in my hotel room, uh, which is the Sofitel Hotel, looking over uh, the harbour in Sydney, Australia. Um, I can see the museum, I can see the sea, um, I can see the city. And um, I thought I would take a moment to share with you some of the uh, the speakers, well, some of the, the, the content, actually, that I've picked up uh, in the last week or so on my trip. Um, first of all, I stopped in Adelaide in Australia, and I spoke at the AFA conference, um, and I picked up some things there, which I'll talk to you about. And then I flew over to Sydney and, uh, and spoke um, where I am now, and I'm speaking at the MDRT, the very first MDRT global conference in Sydney. So... Um, interesting day today so today of all days to do this um this little podcast is my daughter's ninth birthday who is currently asleep as I record this um, and will wake up with her dad and um and obviously I'm here in Sydney so there's a few things and various mixed feelings that I have about that and probably as I go through this this um this podcast and this sharing <clears throat> will will um kind of uncover some stuff. So I kind of don't know where this is going to go. I think I've got an idea in my head that I want to share with you some of the stuff that I've picked up from some really great speakers. Particularly, um, I want to focus on this this podcast about the the whole piece around mindfulness and uh, well being, which is absolutely fascinating, actually, um, for all the reasons I'll I'll go into. But so um let's let's shoot back to um so day one of the AFA conference I was lucky enough to be able to be invited to a well-being workshop um and this was hosted by two ladies um that are um sort of dubbed as the Thelma and Louise of well-being in Australia which is quite interesting a little double act uh Shanna Kennedy and Lindell Mitchell um the um called The Essentialists. Now, I recently read the Essentialism book by Greg McKeown, I think it is, uh, and uh, totally blew my brains out, to be honest. And what I realised when reading that book, if I could just go back a sec, is that we've just got way too much stuff in our lives, like stuff, whether it be stuff in our toiletry bags, our makeup bags, our wardrobes, um, you know, our people in our contacts... Uh, books on our bookshelf, food in our cupboard. There's just there's just too much. The the world's gone a little bit crazy, and and as a result, we're actually struggling to keep focus on the stuff that's really important. And uh, we we all live in this quantity over quant- quantity over quality world. And uh, when I read the book, I just literally shared it with all my friends. I shared it with the team. I created a Facebook group called um, Living as an Essentialist. And um, yeah, just just an incredible book. And I think it, it brought my attention to a different way of living, which is quite different to the life I would say that I was probably living. Although I was probably aware quite a bit about, you know, I, I wasn't, I'm not one for, you know, big grand kind of fast cars, big houses, you know, 25 handbags, 16 pair of jeans. You know, my, my parents brought me up to go for quality. Um, I was telling a story recently that, you know, my dad worked incredibly hard. He's, an, he's an, my absolute role model. And he, um, you know, he worked really hard. And then he, he went and took us on, 
beautiful holidays for two or three weeks, but only one. Um, and he saved all his money up and he took us to some amazing places, the Caribbean, the Maldives, uh, Bahamas. I mean, gosh, you name it. For, for, for most of my childhood, we went for a quality life rather than a, a quantity life. And I, and, I, and I have huge fond memories of those times. So I, so I think I'm very conscious of it. And, you know, even down to my my parenting style you know ruby at christmas doesn't have a room full of toys or her birthday you know get an excessive amount of anything actually other than probably love and as much time with me as possible and um and that's because i just stuff is not what makes people happy so reading the essentialist book essentialism book was a big a big turning point for me and i would recommend reading it just but 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 you've got to be in the right frame of mind to read it you've got to be in the right frame of mind of thinking you know what, like life's a bit too much and I need to sort of get some focus. So if you're in that frame of mind, then fill your boots and you'll, you'll love it. So go back to the masterclass. So this um, masterclass of wellness um, was quite interesting. So um, presented by the essentialists, um, Shanna and Lindell. And I just want to go through some of the things. So they gave us a workbook to, to go through, which I have, obviously, a printed version. And um, I didn't go through it all because obviously... I kind of get a lot of this stuff and I've done a lot of this stuff before. So I didn't complete the whole workbook and, and I haven't completed the whole workbook after the session either. But um, I'll just go through some of the kind of key takeaways and, and I'll talk a little bit about sort of my situation. But only one, i tell you what it's actually doing. It's almost reaffirming it in my own mind, in fact. So by, by sort of speaking it out loud and not just thinking about this stuff, it's helping me selfish I suppose but I hope that you will also take some um some sort of um I don't know some some inspiration or I don't know some guide in terms of if I can do it you can do it so I think you know this is real I'm a real person who does a real job with a real family you know you know social media and Instagram and you know they always perceive people's lives as quite something but you know the bottom line is I'm a mother in a different country, the other end of the world, and my daughter's in England, and it's her birthday today. So there, there's some real challenges that that we all face, regardless of what people think or perceive from kind of our online persona. So you know, th- these are real challenges as a mum and as a girl and as a, as a as a busy professional. So I thought I'd share. So one of the first things that um, the session encouraged the the attendees to do is just get some focus and bring back our focus on what is the one most important thing in your life the one thing now it could be a thing it could be a person it could be an activity what is the most important thing to you and it took me about a fraction of a millisecond, a literally a millisecond, to write down Ruby. And I put, um, we'll just, I'll just write Ruby on, my, on this bit of paper. And I got all kind of emotional inside, you know, kind of welled up a little bit. But, but ultimately, I wrote Ruby's name down. Because regardless of what, um, whatever's going on in my life or my choices, my number one priority is Ruby. And I, and you know, which sounds ironic given the fact that I'm not with her on her birthday, but I'll kind of explain how that came about. But but even still, Ruby was the thing. So so my 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 question to you is is what is your number one thing? Like what is the most important thing to you in your life? It doesn't matter what it is. There's no right or wrong answer. But I think 
if you think about, let's say it's your family or it's your daughter or it's your son or it's your partner or it's your work, the question then is, are you doing everything to, I suppose, focus on that one thing? Um, you know, so, so if I think, I mean, I, I'm pretty good at this. Like I, I would say 99% of my time, you know, I know Ruby's my number one priority. So therefore, um, it's very, very rare, like today, it's very rare that, um, I mean, given my work, I've never missed her birthday ever. And I, and I have no intention, intentionally of ever missing it again. But ultimately, um, pretty much 99% of the time, um, you know, for, as an example, so I don't have Ruby all of the time. So I share Ruby, obviously, with her dad, who we're not, we're not together. And I have probably two or three nights per week slash days where Ruby's with her dad. And obviously she's at school, but she's with her dad. But when I have Ruby, when Ruby's with me, when we are together, you won't find me going to the gym. Absolutely not. I have enough opportunity to go to the gym in the day when she's at school, when she's with Martin. You'll never get me going to the gym when Ruby is with me. Because my priority is my time with Ruby. And I think... Today, of all days, um, I just popped a little post on Facebook, um, for actually for my own reasons, not for any other reasons, that I just felt it, I just wanted to say some stuff. And I just said that, you know, I consider my job as Ruby's mum to, um, to absolutely do everything in my power to turn her and support her to become the young lady I know she can be. So... I don't want to go to the gym and I don't want to hang out with girlfriends and I, you know, I don't want to do those things when Ruby's with me. Absolutely not. There are the odd occasion when I have to, if it's a, a birthday party or a wedding or, or whatever. But if I had a choice, there's no way. So, so just think about what your choices are, which either enhance your relationship or your time spent with that one person or that one thing or that one activity um, and kind of how you how you choose your focus how you choose where to spend your time so that that's something that that um, that came out the other thing that came out was um, the question was when have you felt you were at your best passionate and most alive now the at your best and the most passionate I'm a genuine, I'm quite a passionate person anyway, um, both kind of personally and professionally, you know, and, and I'm seen to have this, this bundle of energy, this, this kind of energy bank of, you know, just, you know, pocket rocket kind of keep going. Um, but it was the bit when it said, um, you feel most alive. And straight away, I wrote, gosh, I just, I mean, I just kept writing it down. And it, I don't think it was because I'm away, actually, because I would probably write this if I was on the school, you know, on the way to pick her up from school, I would answer these questions the same. So I think, yeah, I just wrote Ruby, you know, she makes me feel alive. And the reason I think that is the case was before I had Ruby, I once said to somebody that I can, and this might sound terrible because, but I don't care because it's, it's how I feel, is I said to somebody before I had Ruby and I knew she was a girl, you know, I consider Ruby my most important project the most important duty that I have as a mother is to, and I say this to Ruby all the time, like when she's driving me absolutely nuts and, you know, she won't hold my hand and, you know, she's near a busy road or she's, you know, climbing on a frame that I think she's going to fall off. You know, I'll go, Ruby, what's my one job? What's my one job? What's my one job? And she'll say, Mom, you've told me before. And I'll say, yeah, but what is it? And she said, to keep me safe. I said, and what's my second job? 
and she says to achieve my potential and she'll say that to me because that's what I say to her all the time so I kind of drilled this into this poor girl at eight years old that my job first job is to keep her safe my second job is to help her achieve her potential so she makes me feel alive because I feel like I'm alert when I'm with her and and, you know there's no slacking involved I've got to do those two things so um so that was that was the first thing so the other thing was which I wrote in this sort of section as the workshop was uncovering was they talked about like where is your sanctuary so I'll give you a couple of examples so when I read the essentialism book um one of the the things that it asked you to do was write down the things that were essential in your life and it was interesting because because if, if you look at my list of what I wrote down were things that were essential to me the first thing was obviously Ruby time with her um, just hanging out with her and the second thing was my home now that sounds quite I think a bit well why would it be your house like you've got family and you've got Mark and but what, what I actually realized the reason why I wrote that down was because it was my sanctuary now Mark and I live together we live opposite the fire station which is where Mark works it's quite a busy house it's a working house I, I describe it as it's never clean it's never you know I, I mop the floor and then Mark will come in in his fire brigade boots and you know it, the next thing I know there's mud on the carpet and stuff like that but but that aside it's a working house but it's where I where I go to shut out the world and whatever else is going on in our lives because everybody's got crazy lives like we've got blended family to deal with we've got pressures within the business we've got team issues we've got old team issues I mean you name it you know it's you know at some point in a working week every issue or challenge will present itself so um, my house is my sanctuary and and actually I need to speak to Mark when I get home so maybe if you're listening to this I've already have had this conversation with him but it's interesting because I walk through the front door and the first thing he says to me is so how's your day and and actually and I do need to speak to him about this because I actually don't want to talk about it I don't want to I don't want to talk him through the the day the good stuff the bad stuff the the challenges the issues the dramas the the stuff that's gone on because actually the second that I walk up that drive to my front door I'm leaving my day my work day behind the work version of me and I open the door take a breath and then I'm in and the second I'm in I feel like I'm safe you know, I love my little house, you know, I love our home, whether Ruby's there or not, Mark's there or not, my favourite time probably is when, in truth, and Mark knows this, so I'm not saying anything he doesn't already know, but my favourite time is in the morning, at a weekend, with Ruby, phones are off, movies are on, me and Ruby are in our pyjamas, and we're just in the living room, and we love it, so I think, you know, my home is my sanctuary, and I don't think Mark's is, Mark, the, the home is Mark's sanctuary and I think that's because it's an extension of his work because we literally live across the road from the fire station so he doesn't have the benefit of a commute home or a car ride home he literally does 10 steps across the street and is in his front door so but I do need to speak to him because my my house my home our home is my sanctuary so the question the question was and the question is to you is where is your sanctuary like it doesn't matter where it is but you need to know where it is so you need to be able to retreat there when needed so this morning is the second day third day uh, of of the MDRT conference and it's 
super busy over there. There's probably 10,000 people currently walking around that convention centre. Now, my session starts at 12.30 and it's now quarter to 12, quarter to 11. I've been for a walk. I've had some breakfast. I walked along the harbour. I had no intention of going into that conference today until my session. And that's because... This room that I'm in, overlooking the glistening waters of the harbour, overlooking Sydney, is my sanctuary today. So I'm in my robe, I've had a shower, I'm chilling out, I've been rehearsing in bed, I wrapped up in the duvet, and I was just locked away um, of the hustle and the bustle. So we need to know what, what are our triggers for our sanctuary. We need to know when we need to retreat to our sanctuary. Um, and I think... Yeah, I think it's important that you understand where yours is. And then if you if yours is your home, you know, then think about, well, you know, what what what's wrong with our our kind of sanctuary? So, do we need to get it decorated or is there not a quiet space in the house where I can take myself off and, you know, is the TV always on? Cuz cuz I I don't watch telly, but Mark loves kind of crime programs, murderer in my village, you know, you name it, being in the emergency services, there's always a, you know, find the killer, follow the cops kind of show on. And I've just realised I don't ever want to watch one again because they're no good for me. I, I don't like to know about bad things because they're in my, my place of sanctuary. So so things like that, they're just, it's a bit more, it's a bit more about realisation. And when you hear and go to these workshops, you sort of realise that, gosh, you've, you've just got sucked in. And um, so, yeah, there's a couple of things there that, you know, I'm going to speak to Mark about particularly um, that when, when I get home. And I'm also going to speak to Ruby because I think Ruby needs to understand, you know, in, in a way, you know, that she is absolutely the most important person in my life, um, you know, and why she is and, and how, I, how I consider that job. So just, just on that point, you know, I was chatting to somebody last night um, just after dinner and, you know, I was explaining to him, a really nice guy called, um, called, called Brad Elman. And we were talking as a guy from California, financial advisor, you know, big, in M- big into MDRT. And I said to him, I explained to him about, you know, Ruby. And I said, you know what? I said, if I'd have... And I did. I sat down with Ruby and said, look, Ruby, you know, mummy has been asked to do this thing you know, go to Australia again. Now, she came with me the first time three years ago, so she has been with me on a, on a speaking tour, which she, which she obviously loved. And um, I said to her, look, look, Ruby, you know, mummy's been asked to do this thing, and she knows exactly what I've been asked to do because she understands my work. She's seen me and she's been with me. And I said, but it's your birthday. I said, so, you know, I want you to come with me. You know, and I would have made all the arrangements and MDRT and AFA would have obviously helped me. And I said, I want you to come with me. I don't want to be away from you for two, for two weeks and it's your birthday. She's like, no, mummy, it's fine. And I said, but it's your birthday. She said, I know. She said, but, you know, I know, I know it's important. She's so grown up. She said, I know it's important for you to do your presentations. And, um, you know, I've been to Australia and, you know, I know you'll make it up to me sort of thing. And I said, but, but you know, it's Australia. She went, yeah, I've been. I've been before. I said, but we can go and see koalas. She's like, yeah, I've seen them. So, so totally in her stride. But I said to her, if you honestly don't want me to go, mummy will say no. Um, and she told me to go. Now, like, what can I... I mean, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But, you know, I, I trust her enough to know that she meant that. And I've been speaking to her and, you know, we've had a few tears from both sides because it's a long trip. And I don't, you know, I've never been away from her this long since she was probably about two years old, which she doesn't remember anyway. So, um, so yeah, it's a big deal. So, but, but it's important that we all remember what, what are our important things, like what, what's important to us and just make sure that, you know, and actually I would just say that 
I recognised Ruby's importance, true importance in my life the second she was born. And, uh, you know, I don't work a school holiday. You'll never see me working properly, really. Um, I don't see clients. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't do client work in the school holidays. My time is with Ruby 100%, unless she's with her dad. And even then, I'll just catch up on emails. You know, I don't really do client work because, because she's, she's mine. And it's, she's the most important thing to me in my life. So, so I think that that's just the one thing. A couple of things, a couple of other things, I spent quite a bit on that, a bit of time on that, so I didn't really necessarily mean to, but it, I think it's important that we, we keep our focus. But one of the other things is that we talk, she talked about is stress responses, which is, which is actually a fascinating topic because we, we all will, will feel some sort of anxiety, fear, stress, and these are all, they're all quite natural. It's the fight and flight mode mechanism in our in our brains which is oh my god there's a shark or oh my god there's a bear i need to run now the challenge we have is that we take the smallest of things and think it's a shark or a bear and the analogy they used is it might not be a shark it might just be a tiddly little you know tadpole but because of what our brains do they they dramatize everything so much that we consider them sharks we tend to overthink, overanalyze, and actually we need to take the fangs out of the fear um, and try and get, gain a bit of perspective. So we've all got, we've either got two choices. We either are presented with a thing or an incident or uh, whatever. I mean, obviously the ones that they always use are, you know, the driver that cuts you up in the, you know, on the road, that kind of thing. But there's lots of examples that you would know where, you know, it, it kind of knocks you sideways or whatever. Two Two choices. We either choose a stress response which is you know increasing breath heart rate increases adrenaline cholesterol goes up you know anxiety you know panic or we choose a a relaxation response which is slowing down your breathing taking a moment you know just counting to 90 um you know just just the, the the relaxed response means that you're regaining control of your own response to that situation so you know choose wisely think about when things are bothering you things are you know just taking its toll choose a relaxed response like just just know how you're going to just kind of take the fangs out of the fear of that thing whatever it is or that thing whatever's presented to you so you know just think about that um they talked about, you know, this, this is quite interesting because both the speakers, which I'll talk about the other speaker in a second, uh, the second um, speaker of the AFA conference was um, a lady um, called, I did write her name down, I don't know what I've done with my bit of paper, um, a lady called Chelsea Pottinger. Pottinger? Yeah, and I'll, tell, I'll talk, to about, talk to you about her in a second. But one of the things that she spoke about, as did, you know, these two guys, was the whole thing around what you do in the morning. So... I mean, I, I, I slice and dice these differently and I just, I presented this in one of my sessions yesterday, actually. And I said from, and this is almost my commitment to myself, from 7pm at night till 7am in the morning, I'm not having my mobile phone anywhere near me, okay? And that's because that time is my, in my sanctuary time, probably with Ruby, with Mark um, and in my home. Or um, my morning routine, my morning time is key for me, my sanctuary, remember? So I'm going to protect it at all costs. So if you turn your mobile phone on or check your mobile phone and there's a crap message or, you know, something's happening in the world or there's a, you know, there's a hurricane in the Bahamas or there's a terrorist attack in London or whatever it might be, um, if you check that in the morning, the, the chances are you're checking that before you've kissed your partner, before you've 
you know, wished your children good morning before you've maybe taken a moment just to gather your thoughts for the day, not necessarily meditate, but, you know, just, just get yourself straight, you know, set some intentions for the day. You've, you've, you know, you've let the world in um, and it's never going to be positive. It's unlikely that it's going to be positive. And you've, you've done that. You've done that on your, that's, that's all you, all you've done that, you know, by checking that phone before you've done anything else. So she talked, the, all of them talked about how important the morning routine was. So my promise to myself is from 7pm at night until 7am in the morning, my phone's gone. Like, it can wait. Whatever it is can wait. My phone will probably, um, so there's no Facebook, you know, no Instagram, no Twitter, no nothing. You know, if people need to get hold of me, they'll message me and it will pop up on my screen and I might just have a look at it before I go to bed. But, um, you know, even that, I'm really not sure that's a good idea. So, I'm, so, But I probably will let people know, like my parents, my brother, you know, people that are really important to me, that when I'm at home, and when I'm at home particularly, it's different when you're in different time zones and craziness like I am at the moment, because I'm awake and everyone else is asleep. When everyone else is awake, I'm asleep. So I wake up to like six million messages. But that's because I have had the whole day while I've been in bed with my Zeds. So the morning routine was a big deal. Think about your morning routine. Think about your little, uh, your little rhythm in the morning. What do you do? You know, you know. Mark and I don't have the phones in our bedrooms. Um, it's it's an absolute no go zone. Um, and actually, I've got a sleep app on my phone, um, which I actually really quite like, to be honest. But I'm going to get an Aurora ring, which tracks sleep patterns, and you wear it, and it tracks your patterns, your heart rate, your, you know, your 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 rhythms when you wear it all day. So it's not the phone, so I'm going to get one of them. I didn't even want my iWatch. I got rid of my Apple Watch for the same reasons. Like, you know, I'd be walking on the street, my phone was in my bag and my I mean, wrist would be buzzing, letting me know that someone's messaged. And I actually don't care because I was having a lovely walk down the, you know, harbour side or whatever. So think about kind of that connectivity piece and, and your morning routine. You know, who do you kiss first? Who do you say morning to first? Who do you engage with first? The people in the world that you don't even know or your partner. Um, and I think that's important. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. They touched on vision boards and stuff, uh, you know, and it links to this, you know, what, what, what inspires you the most. And, you know, on my screensaver, you know, on some of my PowerPoint presentations, you know, in my, in my journal, I've got a picture of Ruby in there because, you know, when I'm even today, like I'm quite nervous about my presentation, you know, it's a big deal. I don't know how many is going to be in the audience, but you know, why, where, if I'm here, where am I not? Um, so I have to knock it out of the park because if I don't, what was the point in coming? What was the point in leaving her on her birthday of all days? You know, if I if I'm not going to knock it out of the park, so it it kind of you know this visualization piece is is clearly quite an important part of 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 how we we should construct our our morning and our, and our day. That's quite interesting. Um, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, we talked about, you know, having some values, knowing what your values are, what's important to you, you know, where do you spend your attention? Now, one of the things that, yeah, one of the things that they asked you to write down or think about was what your three most important values were. And this morning before I recorded this, or just before I started this, I tried to think of three and I actually couldn't. Um, so mine, uh, weirdly, and I don't, I don't know where this has come from, if I, if I dug deep, deep and dark enough, I probably could find why. But my most important value is appreciation. So I know for an absolute fact that, you know, think about all of the relationships that I have. Um, I will lose my shit with Mark and with life generally if I think that Mark doesn't appreciate me. 
um, if he's taking me for granted, if, you know, I'm not saying it, I want him to tell me how much he loves me all the time, but for definite, I, I, I lose it, start to lose it when I feel like I'm being taken for granted. So appreciation is a massive, a massive part of my life and my value system. The other time um, that that presents itself is in work. So again, I've been talking quite a bit about the work that I've done with the Power Planner Standard. Now, you know, talking openly with whoever's listening to this, this podcast is I literally worked solidly and I can't even begin to tell you this, this is the second time round where I've worked through the night you know, I have missed things for Ruby, I've missed things with with Mark, you know, I've not taken enough sleep, I've missed the gym, because these were projects. So the first time I did this was um, when I when I led on the committee or worked on the committee that designed the British standard for financial planning firms. It's a professional thing that, that I get involved in, I got involved in. And when I led on the committee that drafted the power planner standard that designed and then we finally launched the standard for international power planners, I reckon there's probably well over 500 hours of my, my own time that went into drafting. Not only that, but the cost of printing, of proofreading, of design, you know, marketing. And at the moment, I've got quite some time to go as a, as a business to recoup some of that investment. And I'll never get my time back, ever. Yet, when the sector or certain just outrageous people in the sector are having a pop at me for the work I'm doing to try and raise professionalism in power planning because of their own insecurities and inadequacies, um, I feel I'm, I'm gutted because they don't realise that actually they should appreciate the effort that I've put in to try and do that. Now, what's fascinating is that's actually a UK standpoint when I come over here and chat to power planners over here and businesses over here, they can't believe what a remarkable thing that's been done. Um, so appreciation is a massive big deal for me, actually. Um, you know, and even when, you know, Ruby won't listen to me or, you know, she loves her dad more than she loves me or, you know, she just would rather hang out with the mates and I've not seen her for a week and she kicks off because she wants a play date with her friend Nirvana. You know, I, I get really upset about it. And, it, and so my, 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 com, my, my instinctive value um, standard is, is appreciation. And I hope, and I probably don't do this all the time, but I, I hope with all of my heart that I show people how much I appreciate them. And I think looking at it, doing this exercise, it made me realise that I probably don't. Mark doesn't really know how much I appreciate him or Ruby knows how much I appreciate him or the team know how much I appreciate them. I don't know, um, but I think I need to start asking. I need to start asking people, you know, do you know how much I love you or how much I appreciate you? And I'm sorry if I don't always show it. And, you know, and Mark's terrible for it for me. He, you know, he, he's he's so busy and he's got such an intense job that... I think at times he does forget to show me how much he loves me. And he says it all the time. But, you know, love and appreciate, they're the same thing to me. Um, so that was, a big, that was a big takeaway for me personally. So I thought it was important to share. Um, just on that point, actually, the, the girls shared that, um, actually, it was Chelsea that shared this, um, that one in two marriages in Australia result in divorce. Um, and that what the, the, the sentence that she says is, we cancel on the people that give us the most energy and the people that we love the most. Um, and what, I mean, what is that all about? Like, I don't know, really. But, you know, I'm not married. Um, 
but you know regardless you know we, we have to focus on the on the relationships that that mean the most to us uh what else what else what else oh my god there's loads of stuff um i think that's that's probably the most of that, that's the most of the stuff that i took from from the girls um they um so i'll just give you their contact details because you know both both aussies you know both had sort of you know life-changing moments that brought them together as a as a two and also um you know great little stories you know we've we've all got them but um they were delivering the workshop and they were fab so they are the um the essentialists and they're on linkedin as shanna kennedy and lindell mitchell they're on instagram as the essentialists hub and they've got a book um they're both on booktopia and audible and they are the essentialists they do private coaching and all sorts of stuff so re- really great really i really enjoyed i really enjoyed listening to them now uh chelsea uh pottinger a lady again australian great presentation style in fact quite inspirational to me as a speaker um she was so cool she had these like leather look pants on these leather look trousers um you know she looked great i mean she looked like she just owned the stage and she was a bit funny and a bit quirky and i thought she was really cool um but one a couple of things that she um she came and she shared with the audience again at the afa conference she was one of the, the sort of closing speakers and I really enjoy. I really enjoyed it. So she says one of the things she talked about was this thing called um, an exhaustion funnel, an exhaustion funnel, exhaustion funnel, where you you kind of go into a spiral. You fall down the exhaustion funnel, exhaustion funnel, where you know you might be busy, so you'll you'll skip a meal or you'll skip an hour's sleep. Um, then you'll get up and you won't go to the gym because you're busy and you didn't sleep enough. So you you grab a coffee and go back to the office. Uh, and then you'll miss lunch or you'll eat an unhealthy lunch because you didn't have time to make it before you left. Uh, then you have to dash off and pick the kids up from school. Then it's all about the kids and clubs. And then you'll miss miss a few hours sleep again. You'll maybe get to bed late and you'll check your emails before you go to bed so you sleep bad. And you fall and fall and fall and fall and fall until there's nothing left of you. And one of the things that I took away from that is I'm not even going, putting my head over the funnel. So you know I'm going I'm not I'm not going anywhere near it and one of the one of the the points was that um you know you've got to get your routine you know your self discipline the rules of your game set out in the day you've got to say I do this in the morning and I go to the gym three times a week and I go on a Wednesday and I go on a Friday and I go on a Sunday and nothing unless it's life and or death and all the occasional change because life happens um these are your standards so i will i will have a healthy lunch every day um unless it's a a client meal or you know it's a friend's birthday or whatever but you've got to have your own personal standards and your own personal rules so so i mapped mine out so mine is um absolutely i have my coffee or a smoothie in the morning more, more often than not it's a coffee if i'm away it's a coffee then i may have a mid morning smoothie um i am at the gym three times a week and actually on the on, so over the summer holidays um ruby was um away for a week with martin on holiday i went to the gym every day in the morning, not at night, because I can't do gym at the night. Um, and I did that, and I did that before I did anything else. So that was important. Eight hours sleep, absolute minimum. You know, this week's an absolute write-off, because the jet lag alone has literally ripped me to shreds. But um, I'm an eight-hour-a-night girl. Early to bed, early to rise, get up at the same time every morning, even on weekends, which is between 5 and 6 a.m., um, 
and just get your routine and get your rhythm. So that that was really, really important. Um, She also talked about um, gut health and how your whole body is actually, it's all about the the messages that are being sent from the gut to the brain and back again. Um, So I think if I get this right, I might have got this the wrong way around. But she said there is uh, one message up, many messages out. And that message up comes from the gut. So gut health, so eating probiotics, uh, look after your microbiome in your gut, um, things like fermented foods, sauerkraut, and, 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 uh, you know, are incredibly good for you. Um, Apple cider vinegar, which is something that I take when I'm at home. I don't travel with it, um, but I take it when I'm at home, probably three times a week, just to kickstart your metabolism in the morning and get everything going. Um, And um, fasting, um, 16-hour intermittent fasting. So I personally fast every single day. So it's about 16 hours. So I fast from tea time, nighttime meal, which, you know, as an early bird, I don't, you know, as the kind of the morning lark type person, I'm not a night owl, I'm a, I'm a morning lark, you know, I probably need to eat no later than 7.30, absolute tops, and then I won't eat again in t- until, um, you know, like 11, 12 the next day, and I love it, and it gives me energy. Now, I do break that fast by, like today, for example, I've been out, I've had charcoal and quinoa, like a breakfast roll with an egg, a bacon, some Emmental cheese and some kind of wilted, wilted spinach, excuse me. Um, so I don't do it every, I do it 99% of the time, but I do break that fast occasionally because it's actually good for your body to, to kickstart it a bit earlier and take it out of sink a little. But, you know, Chelsea did then go on to say when somebody asked her in the audience, you know, is fasting every day a good thing? And, you know, is fasting a good thing? And she said, safely, it's one day per week, 16 hours, one day per week. If you're fasting any more, any more than that, you need to either build yourself up or be under medical guidance for doing that or kind of nutritional guidance. Um, and I built it up probably from about one to maybe three days and then it's a full it's a full seven days and I say I reckon probably twice a month I break that morning fast so I have bulletproof coffee in the morning which is kind of buttery coffee as it's called um, fatty coffee and I have that in the morning I'll make it for me and Mark and we drink it till about I don't know 11am and then we both fast but not every day every day religiously but probably twice a month where both Mark and I will probably break a fast um, and that's good for us too so that that was quite an important thing um uh first of all it's in the morning uh, oh yeah this is quite interesting she said um chelsea said one of the things that's going on with teenagers at the moment which is why we've got so many kind of suicides in in young adults and particularly in the in in young females is that the the rise of social media and the continued um, barrage of pictures images snapchat tiktok facebook you know all the things that you know, we are seeing kind of this fear of missing out and everyone's life looks amazing and they look amazing because they've put 16 filters on um, and had bum implants and cheek implants and lip jobs. Um, We shouldn't compare ourselves. We know this stuff, but I'm just for the point of benefit of myself, really. Um, We shouldn't compare ourselves to anybody else. We should compare ourselves to who we were yesterday. And if we're a better version of ourselves, a more successful version of ourselves, we've been to the gym so we feel fitter than we did yesterday, then that's that's what it's all about, is actually comparing yourself to yourself of yesterday. And I really liked it a lot. Um, yes, and really to, to finish, um, what she got us to do, and it was the most, honestly, it was the most surreal thing, actually. She, um, 
she got us to to sit and she did some kind of meditation really beautiful talking very soft very calming and um she she talked she said you know we're going to there's one there's one magic ingredient uh, that we can actually introduce into our lives every single day uh, and it's it takes 90 seconds now we've all got 90 seconds and it's the practice of gratitude now I'm not kidding I've been hearing about practicing gratitude for ages how do I do it of course I don't am I going to 100% and this is what she did so what I'll do is I'll do the technique with you on this podcast right and I'll do it how she did it with me in the audience and it was the most surreal thing because as I was closing my eyes and as she was sending me through this this practice of literally it took 90 seconds there was tears rolling down my face from closed eyes and I deliberately didn't open my eyes and it felt the most amazing thing ever so what she did was she did this so I want you to just take a moment and just get comfortable wherever you're sitting. You may be standing, you may be lying, listening to this. I just want you to um, take a moment to think about the most important thing or person in your life. I want you to visualize them, think about them, Think about their sounds. Think about how they smell. You know, take take your a moment to take your attention to the thing or the person or the activity that's you know your most important thing, and just just take a moment to put them in your mind's eye. Just think about them. Now, what I want you to do is, I want you to. Now take them to your heart. Imagine that they're now in your heart and just take it some time to pay attention to how your heart feels. Take a big deep breath and just think about them in your heart. How do you feel about them? You know, their qualities, um, you know, just your, your emotional connection to them. You know, the things that you are grateful for about them about that thing, whatever it is, just take to your heart the things that you are grateful for and you appreciate about that thing or that activity or that person. And just hold them there for for a few seconds. And just pay attention to how you're feeling, how you feel about them and how you're feeling in your body When your thoughts are coming to a close, draw them nicely to an end. Keep them in your heart though. Just open your eyes. Now I hope you enjoyed that. And I think that's a practice that we can all enjoy every day. And one of the things that I'm gonna do when I go home is I'm going to do that with Ruby. Rather than tell her a bedtime story, I am going to practice the practice of gratitude with Ruby every day. So I'm going to encourage Ruby and myself to think about something that's happened today that she's thankful for, that she's grateful for, that's been important to her positively. 
and then take it to her heart and how she feels about it. And I'm gonna get I'm gonna do that every day. That's that's my bedtime routine with Ruby. So she goes to bed happy and attached to something that she's grateful for. Because my little eight-year-old daughter, who is nine today, she has frenemies at school, she has two blended families, she has pretend brothers and sisters, she has a busy working mummy, she has challenges of herself, you know, she's growing. So, you know, we all have that regardless of our age. Um, so just think about practicing the, the, the practice of gratitude um, and just taking that time to just appreciate the things that are really important to you because, gosh, life is so short and, you know, we're so, we're so blessed in so many ways yet if we don't take control of our own person, if we don't put our own max, oxygen mask on before helping anybody else, we're, we're pretty much useless to everybody else um, and life is way too important. So I hope... Um, my little share, although it's gone on for 45 minutes so far, has been, um, has been useful. I'm sorry if I've rambled a bit, um, but I think sometimes listening to people tell their stories um, is inspirational as people share their stories with me and inspire me to be better and try harder and become more focused. So, you know, share your stories with me. You know, I would love to hear how you get on, you know, what, what's going on in your life. Um, life is tricky, but actually, we we can we've got it covered if we if we focus on what's important and we we charge up our own energy and our own battery reserves to um, to tackle it. So, go 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 on, be um, be awesome. It's been my pleasure to share my thoughts with you. I've got to get myself ready now and get um, over to this presentation to um, to knock their socks off. Thank you very much. <laughs>